The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. All right, everybody, welcome into the first episode of the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast. I am your for now host, Jake Devereaux. Uh, You've probably heard my voice a number of times on the Over the Monster Network, uh, most notably at the Red Seat. And I am going to be uh, joined today by two fabulous people, uh, Shelly Verstraight, whose voice you've definitely heard on the show. Uh, Shelly, welcome back to uh, a new show that we're kind of doing together. Um, how are you, Shelly? Um, I'm fine, Jake. Um, it's it's spring training, so I am on cloud nine. Like, there's actually real, well, quote-unquote, real baseball being played. So I am, I am ecstatic. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, real baseball is the best thing ever, and uh, I know that Basically, nobody watches more baseball than you, um, so it, it's probably a big-time celebra- celebration in the Verstraight household right now. Uh, we are also joined by Bob Osgood, uh, who is a new voice to all of you guys. Um, Bob Osgood is at the Dynasty Guru. He's also at Over the Monster. Uh, he's going to be on this podcast regularly. Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jake. Uh Thanks for having me. Really excited about this opportunity. Looking forward to talking to you and and Shelly. And I echo what Shelly said there, you know, turning the calendar to March. There's just a lot more going on, a lot more positivity in general. So feeling good about things and excited to, to hop on the pod with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to have you, Bob. Um, and just so the listeners know a little bit of background about these two, uh, if you haven't heard from them uh, before, and and hopefully you have at least heard from Shelly on this show before or on other shows, but um, both of these guys have a lot of knowledge about prospects. Uh, Bob and Shelly both are on the prospect team uh, over at the Dynasty Guru. Shelly also writes over at Pitcher List, um, writes at Over the Monster, uh, and Shelly also writes at, oh my God, why am I blanking? Shelly, where else are you? Uh, well, I, I write at the Dynasty Guru. Uh, oh, my that's, God. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, yes, obviously. Um, sorry. Yes. I'm like having a brain <laughs> fart here, uh, tonight, but yeah, Shelly's all over the place talking about prospects. Uh, and, and Bob has gotten into it too. So these two are going to be your prospect Sherpas for the Red Sox system. Uh, and I'm just going to be helping out here. So basics of this pod, um, what you can expect from us every week, um, between sort of 20 to 45 minutes of prospect talk. Um, the way that we envision this show working, uh, we're going to be running through a different level of the minor leagues every single week. Um, we're going to be kicking off today uh, by introducing the AAA level, Worcester's AAA team. Uh, it's going to be weird for us all to say AAA Worcester uh, after a lifetime of saying AAA Pawtucket, but uh, you know what? As a Worcester native, I will um, I will get used to that pretty quickly. Very excited for that ballpark this year. How do you guys feel about the whole transition from Pawtucket to Worcester? I mean, yeah, I mean go ahead, Shelly. No, you go ahead, Bob. Uh, I was going to say it. It's too bad we didn't have one last opportunity to go down to Pawtucket because that's a ballpark that I spent so much time in growing up. Um, you know, being just south of Boston is about a 45 minute drive and uh it's just such an easy ballpark to to watch a game at you know it was cheap ticket all of that that you were able to do growing up and spent so many years going to games there so you know with everything that happened last year i was planning on getting one or two more games in and it's too bad i'm looking forward to getting to the new stadium but was hoping to have a send-off at some point yeah, that's very true. Would have liked to uh, to see it go away. Shelly, you're a Virginia native, right? So how how uh, often, if ever, did you get a chance to get up to AAA Pawtucket? Um, I've never been. I would usually catch the AA team whenever they came to Richmond. So, nice. I mean, that's why I kind of gave Bob the floor there. But I, <laughs> I, I, I echo everything. It's like, it, it really sucks that, you know, Pawtucket didn't get that grand send off you know it just yeah. it just really stinks well you know the plus side is we get a super creepy mascot with the uh, red Sox, uh <laughs> woo Sox smiley guy whatever the hell that thing's called um and we get a plush beautiful new ballpark uh polar park is going to be amazing um so very much looking forward to that but let's get right to it uh enough of the 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 fluff um, we did have a bunch of news today. Danny Santana signed an MILB deal with the Red Sox. Shelly, what do we know about that so far? Uh, yeah, um, he signed a minor league deal, um, and he gets 1.75 mil um, just a, as a base salary, and then he has a $1 million with incentives, and if he starts the season out in AAA, he gets a $1,000 bonus for starting there. I don't know why he gets that, but kudos to him. Um, but there is also an opt out. So I guess if, you know, Danny Santana is not, it doesn't look like he could probably, if it doesn't look like he's going to make the major league roster, he can opt out. Um, yeah, so that's about all we know right now. Um, yeah, I, what do you, what do you guys think of this deal? I, I think yeah. my, my first thought was, um, kind of that there's one thing that the team is, is lacking at least on paper for the you know, 12, 13 initial players that might make the roster that, that the speed is lacking a little bit. And Santana brings that. He had a good 71st sprint speed in 2019. So, uh, which was the last year that he really had any kind of run. Um, 
obviously a ton of versatility, which the team is all about. Um, but I felt like it was kind of an overlap with Marwin Gonzalez, and that surprised me a little bit um, that they ended up with both. They definitely are kind of trying to have as much as possible, I guess, with kind of COVID still being in the picture, having depth and versatility and, you know, every combination humanly possible at this point um, of players to play all over the field. And, you know, I think between Gonzalez and Santana, they're hoping one of them will end up working out. I think they're making about $5 million combined if the content uh, tracks end up guaranteed. So they're kind of betting on one of them to work out. And if, you know, some of the players we'll be talking about today, but a Durant or a Downs or someone comes up, they can, you know, one of them might be a little bit more expendable um, at that point. So I, I, I think they needed one more bat. It just surprised me uh, that it was kind of an overlap of some other players that they have. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting deal, and you know, it makes sense for Danny Santana, too, a guy who ended the season with an injury and wasn't a lot of interest in. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's essentially an extended tryout for Danny Santana. He gets to display his skills and whether or not he's healthy to other teams. That opt-out is key and also pretty common for players in Danny Santana's situation. So if, if a juicier opportunity arises with more guaranteed playing time, I'm sure he doesn't even stay on the team. Um, but also low risk. I mean, if you get to stash a guy like Danny Santana down at AAA, um, that is not a bad thing for the roster depth at all. Um, AAA season is being delayed a month. Bob, what do we know about that so far? Yeah, so looks like the season is going to be starting uh, May 4th, and it's going to be a 120-game season. Um, so they'll start off with the infamous alternate site again this year exactly what we we didn't want to hear um and it appears that that's going to be in worcester um so you know i think we'll probably see just any players that potentially might be called up during the first month of the season will probably be at that alternate site in worcester and following certain protocols that the team will be comfortable with if they do need to call any players up from that alternate site but definitely not the uh the initial news we were looking for is I know we're all kind of starving for any game action in the minor leagues, um, you know, outside of some of the, the winter ball and things like that. It's just been, it, it's so hard to evaluate um, the, the players just off of word of mouth and alternate sites and things like that. So I was hoping to, to see r- real ball games at both levels, the majors and AAA about four weeks from now. Yeah, I was a little disappointed uh, in the AAA season being delayed. Shelly, what was your take on that whole delay? Um, did you think it was necessary? And, and then I guess the second part of this is, you know, do you think it affects the timeline of any of these prospects? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I echo your thoughts as well. I was disappointed. And uh, what makes me more disappointed um, is it wasn't because of, I mean, yes, it was because of COVID, but it was basically to you know, keep major league players safe because of, you know, you could move players from AAA to the majors. So it was kind of like this weird thing. Um, And when it comes to prospects, I am going to be really looking into who is invited to the alternate site. Um, Because if there is just a lot of like AAA guys or AA guys, okay. That's fine. But if there's like maybe some like more like, you know, um, you know, low A, 
guys um, that are invited to trip uh, it, to the alternate site, I actually think that that would be really, really good for them. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing who is invited to the alternate site. Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm I'm curious to see that, and I think we saw that sort of accelerate the development timelines for a few guys. Uh, it, as bad as it was not having a minor league season last year for some people, it did benefit some. Some of the guys that we know it benefited, Tanner Houck was able to work with major league coaches, um, you know, and, and get more of that individual attention. So um, being able to get some of that additional coaching for some of the top guys is not always a bad thing, especially when you have guys like Tanner Houck trying to work on your repertoire, Jared Duran trying to refine the new swing, um, you know, whoever else really getting additional looks. I mean, more coaching is always a good thing, right? A hundred percent. All right. So we do have some spring training uh, games that have already gone underway. Um, and, and two of the big name uh, hitting prospects have actually gotten off to some pretty damn hot starts. Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, your boy, Shelly, Bobby Bouncy Balls, already has three <laughs> home runs. Uh, and and Jaron Duran has two home runs, a couple doubles. Um, dude is just killing it. Uh, Shelly, would you talk to me about Bobby Dahlbeck here? I guess I want to know from you how many plate appearances you're kind of expecting him to get this year. I don't know if you heard my ridiculous Bobby Dahlbeck prediction uh, at the beginning of the week, but I have predicted him to hit 36 home runs this year, and I'm still not sure what liquid I was drinking uh, that convinced me to make this prediction, but like, am I out of my mind? Um, maybe slightly. Um, it is like, is it, I, I will give you like a little kind of like a, 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 kind of like a bailout here. Like, is it 36 head runs in the entire year or the MLB season? Uh, I definitely meant in the MLB yeah, season. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I was just trying to get you a little, I was trying to give you an out there. Yeah, the um, lifeline. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to Dalback, um, yeah, I mean, I I I'm I'm very concerned with the amount of strikeouts that we saw last year, uh, but the dude has power. Uh, we've seen it. Um, but from the 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 video that I've seen of his home runs, a lot of the pitches have just been just fastballs, like right down the middle, like really just cookie cutter. Just he just jacked it out. And I mean, I like to see him go. I like to see him go like the opposite way. I think he had a couple of you know apple tacos there, yep. Which is is really really good to see. And I I still don't know what I think about Bobby Dahlbeck. Like I'm so scared that it is just you know Chavis 2.0, and I need to see a little bit more. I need to see him hitting more doubles, more hard hit balls, more home runs on something other than a straight fastball. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the, the strikeout rate was very high last year. Uh, I've always been adamant that the difference between Dobby Bo- Bobby Dahlbeck and Michael Chavis is the fact that Chavis uh, can't hit good pitching as well as Dahlbeck can. I think they both strike out a lot, but um, Dahlbeck just has the ability to get to more pitches. Um, and on a few of those opposite field home runs, the ball was towards the outside of the plate. 
and he was still able to muscle that out because of his insane power. So um, I'm definitely intrigued, and I don't want to write him off yet. It's definitely not a profile I like, um, but I'm I'm intrigued. I'm definitely yeah. intrigued. Um, Bob, talk to me about Jaron Durant. This guy's stock has been taking off like a cryptocurrency or something uh, recently. I mean, the guy has just been on a rocket ship to the moon. Um, tell me about Bobby Dahlbeck. What do you see with the new swing? How quickly can this guy find himself in the Red Sox lineup? Yeah, with with Durant, I, I'd say personally, this is most excitement I've had about a prospect in a long time, um, just because of how quickly... Uh, this has changed, you know, the, it was a swing change that was kind of in question uh, over the last year or so. And then every challenge that he's been presented since has gone well. Uh, I think it was, he was the MVP in Puerto Rico over the, the off season. Um, every highlight that you saw was just really exciting. You know, him showing off his speed, uh, hitting for power. And, you know, you don't totally know what the competition is. And then you see him facing Carlos Martinez and rips a single by his head into center field. So, you know, he, he met every challenge there. And then he's played in every game in the in spring training. They've played him in all five games. He's had 10 at-bats or so. You add in the, the two home runs, the double. The double was off of a left-handed pitcher. Uh, it was a 2-2 curveball. So it's just, I feel like he is, he, he may need... And I know you, you'll hear this a lot. People get sent down for defensive seasoning. That might actually be the case with him just because he hasn't played a ton of games in the outfield. But if he's going to hit like this for a month, I don't know how you can keep him down, you know, much later than May 1st. Um, so, I, yeah, like like I said, I'm super excited about Duran. Uh, and I, I think that we're going to see him for the, the majority of the season this year. I love that prediction right there. Uh, you know, how long can you keep a guy that's this hot down there? But, you know, you're right. Uh, it is the defensive stuff that is kind of holding him back. The athleticism with Duran is just off the charts. He might be the most athletic guy in the entire system uh, for, for the Red Sox. He's that athletic. But the reads are still a little bit raw in the outfield. But I agree with you. I think the way that this bat is progressing and with the amount of question marks in the outfield at this point, it's hard to imagine that, like, you know, one of these Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, Franchi Cordero types doesn't get hurt or underperform or whatever. And then you get your shiny Jaron Duran just hanging out in Worcester. You know, you got to. Right. And, and even if phone. they're there, would, would any of us be, you know, truly disappointed if Cordero got 20% less time and same for Renfro and. Enrique got 10% less time and spent more time at second base. I think he, with a, a player like that, he'll find a way to get in the lineup at least at least half the time. Well, I think the only person that would be disappointed by that would be Keaton DeRocher, who wants uh, Hunter Renfro to get as much time as possible. All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, Shelly, flipping over to the pitching side, Connor Siebold uh, was electric. Uh, the first time that he pitched uh, in the spring, the changeup looked filthy. This is a guy who's kind of interesting because the stuff is not standout other than the changeup, probably, but it's all pretty good and he knows how to pitch. So tell me about how you think his profile could end up playing at the major league level. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I really like Connor Seabolt. Um, while I don't think that he is going to be super electric, he's a four, uh, you know, number four, number five star, but he can get outs, um, he can get through innings, and that's really what the Red Sox, like, really, really need, just some type of guy that they can stick in the in the back end of the rotation and it's not going to kill them and he can get really really good outs. I I I I'm still boggled that they managed to get uh Pavetta. I take that at, you know, a great <laughs> assault whatever you think of Pavetta. Pavetta and and Seabold um uh for Brandon Workman, right? And um Who's the other reliever? Uh, Heath Hembry. Heath Hembry, yes. So yeah. two relievers, um, and we basically got two starters for that. Like, it, it still boggles my mind that we were able to, you know, get that out of Philly. Um, but I, I, I'm really intrigued with Kano Seabold. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, a pretty, pretty interesting package of pitches there. Um, on the flip side of Seabold, who kind of doesn't have anything stand out aside from the changeup, Andrew Politi is a very fast-rising uh, relief pitcher for the Red Sox who has just crazy high-octane, wild stuff. He, he kind of scares me when I watch him pitch, though, because I, I get the feeling that he's going to hit somebody or whatever. Um, I would not want to be in the box against Politi. Um, but he had three strikeouts in one inning. Uh, the only time he's pitched. Bob, what did you see from Politi? What kind of stuff does he have? I mean, what, what are we looking at here? Yeah, I, I think exactly what you said. That That's the kind of competitor that you want to have. Um, you know, it, it, it could come back to bite you a little bit, but it's good to have one of those guys sitting around. And everything that you read from Politi is just about having a chip on his shoulder. He's a 15th round pick, wanting to prove people wrong. And he, he's increased his fastball. It seems like he's throwing closer to 95. Um, has kind of the versatility um, of could potentially start if in a pinch, um, but has kind of a, a swingman role. And I saw he was really started getting on my radar when I saw where Keith Law ranked him at 15th in the yeah. in the organization. And, you know, that that's a huge jump, and it was around a lot of more notable names. Um, and he's been effective. So it seems he's fastball, slider, and a curveball, uh, and a changeup as well that isn't used as much. But fastball, slider are both solid offerings. And, you know, so two-pitch two type of pitcher that, uh, that are – potentially be above average might be more of a reliever but you know it, it's definitely definitely interesting and it's good to see that he's been effective um, early in the spring yeah if the command can come around with a guy like that with two high octane pitches fastball slider combinations pretty typical of a high-end reliever so um, I like it I like the potential there for a seventh inning or later guy if he can dial in the command um, gotta gotta be interested in all types of flyers on guys like that because you know one of the things that the Rays have been so successful at over the last few years has been filling their bullpen up internally or with low-cost options so if Politi can be something like that for the Red Sox that'd be pretty exciting 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's get to the actual lineup uh, as projected for Worcester. Um, SoxProspects.com, which if you are not going on and you are into Red Sox prospects, you are missing out. Um, they do something fabulous where they project out what they think are going to be the lineups for each level. Um, so we're going to go through, we're going to start with the hitters hitting side here and chat about some of the more interesting players who are going to be in the lineups. So here it is. Um, this is what the projections say. Uh, catcher, Chris Herman, first baseman, Michael Chavis, second baseman, Jeter Downs, third baseman, Chad De La Guerra. Uh, shortstop, Jonathan Reyes, uh, left fielder, Yairo Munoz, center fielder, uh, Bob's boy, Jaron Duran, right fielder, Michael Geddes, uh, DH, Cesar Puelo, bench, we have Johnny Pareda and Jet Bandy as catching depth there, um, first baseman, Josh Ockamy, who has been a Red Sox prospect since 1983, um, <laughs> Hudson Potts, and uh, outfielder, uh, Marcus Wilson. Okay, we've talked a little bit about Jaron Duran, but the guy who I want to touch on right now is Michael Chavis. Shelly, this is kind of sad. Michael Chavis finds himself projected to be the first baseman for the Red Sox AAA team, not the Red Sox themselves. So, I mean, tell me the story. What's What's got Michael Chavis finding himself all the way down on this lineup? Um... Unfortunately, he can't hit high fastballs. Um, I mean, that's 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 a really his thing. Um, it 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 really seems to be that he has trouble with obviously the fast high fastballs and just just all of the major league pitching in general. Like he just he just struggles. Um, and I just I think Bobby Dahlbeck is a better player. Um, mm-hmm. And just the the depth with Christian Arroyo, Marvin Gonzalez, it just kind of makes sense. Because you don't want to give up on Chavis, because there's still something there. It might be kind of far away, but there's still something there that you want to give him every day at bats to at least maybe get on a roll again, right? Like yeah. how he was in 2019, right? He got on that roll and then got going and then kind of stumbled uh, towards the end of the season, but he had he had a role, but just somehow to give him every day at bats. I mean, I really feel bad for the dude. He is a super fun Twitter follower. He seems like a really great guy, and him going down to AAA to start the season is probably going to be a gut punch, you know. Yeah. But honestly, I think that it's really good for him to just get everyday pitching, and that's he will not get that in the everyday lineup for the Red Sox. Now, I want to follow up with this, Shelly. Do you think that Michael Chavis will get the bulk of his time at first base, or do you think he will mix in at a couple other defensive positions, most notably second base, where he got some time at the major leagues, and third base, where he really made his chops when he was coming up through the Red Sox system? Oh, boy. That's an interesting question. Um, I 
I do think that it's going to be most at. Well, if he's at AAA, I think that he, they're going to play him around a bit. Right. Um. But I, I, I don't really know why you would not give everyday at-bats to Jeter Downs. And then if you get, you know, some playing time at third, that, that that's fine. But then you have Devers there. Um. So, I mean, I guess you could maybe split him against the corners, first and, mm. first and third, um, just to see... Um, how he looks over there at third because it's been a it's been a minute since he's been over at third. So maybe give him some some reps over there just to see how it looks. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I wonder if he gets a little time over at uh, second base on days where Jeter Downs is still playing shortstop too, because I imagine uh, they don't want Downs to give up on shortstop completely since he can play the position as well. So. It's going to be interesting, especially if we think about Michael Chavis as trade bait. Having him play more positions can only be a positive thing for his value to other teams. Um, Bob, I, I teased it a little bit. Second base, Jeter Downs here. Um, you know, some people, not me, um, but some people have him as the top prospect in the entire system, and with good reason. Um, he's a fantastic player. What are you going to be looking for for Jeter Downs? What type of player is he? And what does he need to work on in order to break through to the major leagues? Because there's definitely some opportunity there at the major league level for him to take that spot in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. And with with Downs, it's really, you see a kind of a a sum of all parts player. And he can contribute, um, you know, with the bat, hitting in the gaps. Um, Seems like he has a good enough arm to play second and can play short more in a pinch. Um, but like you said, I mean, I, I think you, you have to continue to give him playing time there at AAA to start because if Bogarts goes down, you know, you always have to have some sort of backup plan. Um, and it seems like they're really preaching versatility in general, as we as we said earlier. So I think he'll get a little time at both of those spots. Um, you know, he, he has a good amount of power that I think that he can be kind of a 15 to 20 home run uh, and 15 to 20 steals guy that the steals might taper off over time as I don't think he really has elite speed, but it seems like he's a smart base runner um, and really knows the game. You know, everything that you hear is that when the lights are on, you know, downs just plays well and it might not have a a single tool that totally sticks out, but I think he's going to be a player that, you know, when you watch him day in and day out, um, whether that's you know around the all-star break or earlier if there's an injury um, that he's going to be appreciated I don't want to compare him to Bogarts but Bogarts being the type of player that when you watch every day you just you realize how many things there are in his game to, to appreciate and, and Downs has the potential to have that to not quite have that ceiling but to, to definitely be an, an everyday player yeah, and I think sometimes we underrate those guys. You know, we look at the minor leagues and we're always looking for that 60 to 70 grade tool. And I think sometimes we discount the guys that are 50s all across the board. And um, one of the people that I know have talked about this before is a friend who's been on the podcast as well, Ralph Lifshitz over at Prospects Live. He's talked a lot about, you know, how valuable those guys that are 50s across the board can be. Um so, you know, with Jeter Downs, he might not be electric, but um, if he can come to the major leagues and be a 2020 guy that can play second and short, I mean, that's that's pretty great um, and pretty valuable. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. 
Before we flip over to the um, the pitching side of things, I wanted to get one guy uh, from each of you outside of kind of the, the guys that we were talking about who you're going to be looking for their performance uh, at AAA from the hitting side. So, Shelly, who's the, who's the other guy in this lineup or on the bench that you're going to be looking at closely? Um, I guess I'll go a little bit deeper. Um, Marcus Wilson. Um, he is kind of like this, um, uh, he's like the, the, I guess like the 40th man on the 40 man roster, in my opinion. (laughs) And I, I just, I, I, I've, I, you know, I've always kind of liked him, but I'm just like, I, I don't know. And I really, I really would love to see him just really perform to maybe keep that spot. Um, but I, that, that is the guy that I'm would be watching because I do think that he is like the last man standing. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Every time I go to remove somebody from the 40 man roster, I always bring up his name. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure how much life he has got left on that, that roster, but we'll be watching him this spring. Uh, Bob, how about you? Another name here. Yeah. There's two names that, that come to mind that are both kind of veteran status and, I think that they are just players that you could see involved depending on how the season unfolds. And certainly with the way the last season unfolded, you need every single player, it seemed like, on the 40-man and people that you'd never heard of that were getting called up. But um, Chris Herman at, uh, or Herman at, at catcher, you know, they, they have they have Plowecki, but Herman has seven years of MLB experience. And he's a guy that if there's an injury or anything like that, you'll, you'll see him come up and you know, he, he has the experience to be a backup catcher, and I, I think that he'll be in the mix at some point. And then um, Yara Munoz is the other one, and we saw him a little bit last year. I'm kind of surprised at just the, the fact that he uh, – he's the one that was the cleared waivers, right, and is off the 40-man now? Yep. yep. And yeah, they were able to sneak him through. Yeah, that, that surprised me because when he played last year, I, I thought that he was solid, and it's – you know, he, he – was putting the the ball in play and um, had a little bit of speed, had had the versatility that they like, and I thought that he was going to be kind of a fringe p- player on their major league roster to start the season. He certainly won't be now that he's off of the forty, but as, as things happen throughout the year, I could I could see him involved again. Um, you know, with all of the other names, the Arroyos and Hernandez and Santanas, um, I, I think we'll see him at some point this year. Yeah, I agree. I think those are two two very likely guys to get some major league time at, during this year. For me, I'm going to throw out one name, right fielder Michael Geddes, who was acquired uh, in this offseason. Um, just a super tooled up guy with high pedigree uh, who hasn't really put it together. Uh, hit tool, I always say, is the most important tool. Uh, and, and Geddes' hit tool is very much in question, but the tools are very, very loud with him. So I'd be interested to see what the Red Sox coaching staff who've done such a good job with position players over the year, what they can do with him uh, when they get him into the lab. So we'll see. Um, Let's flip over to the pitching side of things before we wrap it up here. Um, We're going to go through the rotation and the bullpen. Rotation for Worcester projects to be Tanner Houck, Brian Mata, Connor Siebold, Daniel Gossett, and Kyle Hart. Excuse me while I go barf. Um, (laughs) Saw enough of him last year. Um, Bullpen. Actually kind of interesting. 
Colton Brewer, Eduard Bazardo, John Schreiber, who they just acquired, Stephen Gonzalez, um, Marcus Walden, who they were able to sneak through waivers, Ryan L. Espinal, Kevin McCarthy, who pitched pretty good the other day, Ryan Weber, ugh, um, Durbin Feltman, and uh, Matt Karasidi. Um, okay, let's start with the rotation. Um, Bob, I want to talk a little Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck came up last year and looked very, very good over three starts. Like, shockingly good. Um, he's been criticized a little bit for having the repertoire of a reliever in the past because he does rely on two pitches. But when he came up, he was really throwing two different fastballs um, in relying more on uh, breaking and off-speed pitches than before. Do you think he has enough to succeed as a starter and what are you going to be looking for? What kind of cues are going to be telling you that he's ready for that role? Yeah. And I at least want to see him given the opportunity and with the, the five starters ahead of Hauk right now, assuming that he's sixth in the packing order, um, you have to think that there's some injury possibilities there just based on track record. So I think, how should be the next guy and given that opportunity um the, the problem is the control and even as great as he was as you mentioned in those three starts in 17 innings he he did walk nine batters and you fast forward to today and he had five walks in parts of two innings mm-hmm. um so i'm not going to take the first game of the year and uh and hold it against him too much but that's not really the start that you wanted to see um, you know, but that being said, I found there wasn't a whole lot to tune into in September last year until Pavetta and Hauk came up and it was, all right, here's some new faces and some people that we've heard of that right. were, that were pitching at that point. And it was exciting. And I mean, his, his slider is very exciting. Um, you know, the way that kind of Frisbee moved to it, um, you know, throws pretty hard. And, but I, I, I agree with what you said. I think long-term on a good team. Uh, a, a playoff team that he is probably a bullpen guy, whether that is multiple innings or, uh, you know, it, it'd be tough if, if he continues to walk people to be a closer type. But if he can reel that in, I could see it happening. He has that kind of, uh, you know, just two really good pitches um, from what I watched last year. But I don't know the the control worries me. And if he comes up, gets a chance in the rotation and is walking guys, then he's going to be a bullpen arm. Yeah, he might be the most talked about guy on this whole uh, Pawtucket team. Or, jeez, oh, there I go. First time. Uh, Worcester team. One of many. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Shelly, I want to get your take on Tanner Houck. I know you watched his three starts up in the major leagues last year as well. Um, you know, you've done Red Sox lists in the past. What's your take on Tanner Houck? Do you think he can succeed as a starter? Uh, honestly, I, I, I'm still going to go to my – default um rating prior to his uh debut and no i i still think that he's a bullpen guy um he absolutely i was like just blindsided with his you know his three starts last year like when he was like called up i'm like okay i'll watch this and i'm like oh my gosh he actually did something um but i mean again that was three starts and I'm just going, just looking at the minor league stuff, seeing what happened today. There is still a lot of work for Hauk to do 
for him to be a major league starter. And I'm just not sure if, and I'm not confident that he will be able to get to be a competent starter. Like, I honestly think that he could be a absolute, absolute, you know, lights out reliever. And I think that that's probably where he's going to go. Um, because of the, the lack of control and everything. So, yeah, that's how I kind of view um, Halk. Um, yeah. I, I would love for him to be the guy that we saw for those three starts, but I, I, I'm, I just don't believe it. Yeah. One of the biggest things has been, uh, whether or not, you know, change up was going to appear and take a step forward, or, uh, I believe the pitch that he was learning last year was a split finger, uh, fastball, yep. which, uh, we didn't actually see very much when he came up, um, so, yeah, th- that's what I will be watching for. Those will be the cues. Uh, I agree with both of you about the control and command that need to take a step forward. But um, for me, I think that third pitch, the consistency of the third pitch might be the most important thing. Shelly, um, Brian Mata, high-octane Venezuelan starting pitcher for the Red Sox. Um, you know, some people have him as the top minor league arm in the system. What can people expect that maybe aren't familiar with Brian Mata and uh you know the nice thing is that lots of Red Sox fans will get to see Brian Mata pitch on Nesson as a bunch of the AAA games will be televised on Nesson this year so what can people look for from Brian Mata uh well hopefully they you know he makes some starts because he had like an injury uh I think it was like a um a a biceps injury um yep yep Yep. Um, but outside of that, if everything goes okay, like, it's a really, really good, you know, fastball changeup. Um, he still has a little bit of work to do with the, the, the command that's a little bit shaky. And he has had, like, some injury stuff that has really limited his innings. But if he is healthy, like, this is a guy who could be extremely, extremely interesting. You know, fastball changeup, he's got a... You know, about an average curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that really knocks Mata down is is basically just basically health. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a lot of injuries, so we haven't really seen him like really go for, you know, just all the way through a season without having injuries. Um, so that's, honestly, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for when it comes to Mata is health. I think that there is probably like a back end starter with Mata. It's just I just on sadly I don't trust him to stay healthy enough for us to see that. Yeah, I mean it seems like the type of profile that if he can't find the health enough to handle a starter's workload, that it could at least be a potential back end bullpen arm here too. So floor seems pretty good with a guy like Mata. Hundred percent. Um, all right, let's shift gears here to the bullpen. Um, Bob, I want to talk about Edward Bizzardo, uh, somebody whose stuff has really ticked up. Uh, he's become one of the more interesting potential bullpen arms to you know maybe impact the major league club this year. What kind of things are we going to be looking for for him down at AAA uh, to see if he can you know come up and, and add something to the major league club? Yeah, with with Bizarro, he 
began throwing harder in the past year and kind of shot up a lot of the prospect lists. And, you know, he was he was with that kind of grouping in between 20 and 30 on most lists. And all of a sudden you see him in the 10 to 15 range. And, you know, look at Fangraphs. They have Bizarro in the top 10. And I think the kind of increased velocity, and I know that he has a good spin rate and that combination, when he bumped up to 90. 697 as some of the reports had um you know that that takes you to a bat missing um you know kind of one inning specialist and it went from off the radar to on the radar pretty quickly he's 25 years old um so a bit of a late bloomer but he threw well in the one outing that i saw um early on in, in spring training and i think that if you were taking the 13 best pitchers uh, that he would be on, he had, would have a good chance to be on the opening day roster. I think because he has options and because there are Rule Five players and stuff like that, that that he he won't make it initially, but he could be the first reliever to be called up. And um, you know, kind of has just the fastball curveball that that both could be above average pitches. And I, I think he's the most exciting bullpen arm that has emerged since we last saw minor league games. I completely agree with that, Bob. Uh, Edward Bizzardo is just so interesting, and we know that the Red Sox love their fastball, curveball guys, Matt Barnes, uh, Brandon Workman, um, especially in those bullpen roles. So, yeah, that's very, very interesting. Very excited about his progress. Um, Shelly, we are going to end the show by talking about somebody who needs to have a big year, uh, Durbin Feltman who was drafted out of TCU, who was thought to be a guy who maybe even makes it to the majors in his first year. Uh, that did not work out, and he has not looked like the guy that they drafted. What kinds of things are you going to be looking for for Durbin Feltman to prove that he is back within the mix of arms that could potentially impact the bullpen? Um, I mean, for me, when it comes to like Durbin Feltman, it is definitely um, the walks. Uh, that was his biggest bugaboo um, in double A in 2019. Uh, you know, he had a um, uh, a 13% walk rate, <laughs> which is not good, right? Um, in double A, you know, in like 50 some innings. So it was basically a just a lack of control. Um, yeah. The the few, uh, the, I guess really the, the one outing that I've seen from him in spring training, it was totally fine. And I heard really good reports. You know, his velocity was back up and everything, uh, you know, doing fraud instructs. So I, 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 while I don't know exactly where he is, I was just been like really, really um, excited to see that his velocity is back up at least so far, his you know his command and control is a little bit better. Um, and again, like you said, like this is his make it or break it year. He's twenty three. He was you know we thought that when he was drafted, he was gonna like you know shoot up and you know be uh, with the Red Sox so quickly. Um, but you know, two thousand nineteen was just awful. Um, but I, this is again, like you said, make it a break a year, and I, I, I think that there could be some interesting things with Feltman this year. And what's his out pitch, Shelley? I know that the fastball velo is up, but what what kind of out pitch can we look for from him? Um, yeah, 
I, I think it's definitely um, the slider. It's a yeah, yeah. It's it's a power slider, right? You know, it it that that I do think is his out pitch. And if he could throw it more, if he could be a fastball slider guy, that could be like super sexy in the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, I would like that quite a bit. If we can if we can recapture that uh, TCU era slider, I think we got something there. Yep. Um, so that'd be very interesting. Much more interesting depth. I think that's the big takeaway from looking at AAA is just, uh, you know, <laughs> I might prefer a lot of the names on this roster to the names that we actually saw in the major leagues for the Red Sox last year. So uh, the depth is much better. So good on you, Bloom, for finding those guys. Um, that's going to do it for our show. We do appreciate you joining us for this first episode again uh, you don't have to do anything if you are listening to this show. It means you already subscribe to the Over the Monster podcast, the Red Seat, uh, all the great shows that we have on the network. Uh, all you need to do is tell your friends about it uh, and follow us all on Twitter. You can find Bob at, at Bob Osgood, O-S-G-O-O-D-15. Uh, and you can find me at, at Dev Jake. You can find Shelly at Shelly V underscore 643. Uh, reach out there if you have any questions about Red Sox prospects or anything. Uh, any of us would be happy to address that and, um, you know, rate and review us as well. Let us know what you think of the show. Anything you'd like to hear, we're happy to talk about. So, uh, yeah, give us your feedback there. Shelly, Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, we will be with you again next week. Thanks, Jake. <laughs>